Welcome to the Playbook, presented by FanFood, a discussion around how leaders are modernizing today's customer experience through technology in sports, entertainment, and hospitality. I'm your host, Rob Cressy, and joining me today is Chris Madden, co-founder at MatchNode. Chris, great to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Rob. Very excited to be here to chat with you. Can you give a quick overview on who you are and what you do? Uh, yes, I will. My name is Chris Madden. Like you said, I'm the co-founder at MatchNode. MatchNode is a uh, digital advertising agency in Chicago. Excited to work with uh, sports teams among among other sorts of clients. Would you say over the years, having uh, listened to Rob's pods and consumed a lot of his content, your content, your video pods in particular, I had to take the chance to be, when I'm going to be on your podcast, I got to put an NBA Jam t-shirt on, man. I got Tony Kukoc and Dennis Rodman here on my NBA Jam team. My man, I absolutely love that. And I actually met Tony Kukoc at an event once. And one, he was gigantic. And then two, I <laughs> asked him about sort of like, how do you get to the NBA, but more specifically like the routine. And it was something crazy. Like he made a thousand shots a day for like his entire life. And I don't remember what the number was, but whatever it was is he did it every single day. So if you ever wonder what does it take to make the NBA, if you're not making at least a thousand shots a day from when you're a teenager, probably don't have a chance. Yeah. And as much as Tony Kush loves basketball, there are probably days where he didn't feel like making a thousand shots. Well, and I think that is actually the key to success. When everything's puppy dogs and rainbows, everybody is good. But what do you do on the days in which you do not want to do something? And I know for myself, I try and specialize in those moments. And you can actually break it down really simply because all it is is the absence of taking one step or yeah. one action. Because so often, I think the simplest example is the gym. So many people have a block when it comes to fitness. You know what? I really just don't want to go today because I've been going three days in a row or I had a tough workout or I worked hard or kids, dog, insert whatever excuse. But the simplest thing that you can do is put on your running shoes. Just set your clothes out the night before in the one action is what builds the momentum to allow you to overcome it. Because you know how many times in my life I have gone to the gym when I didn't want to and immediately turned around when I got there being like, no, Rob, you made it this far. I'm going back. None. Zero. Zero percent. So the key is you just have to be aware of what can you do when that little trigger goes, I don't want to do this? That should become a red flag that says, ooh, I know that this happens sometimes. Red flag, now what do I do when that happens? Oh, what's the one action I can take? Man, I love that. And I almost was going to give the exact same example because one of my breakthroughs, same story, going to the gym, going to yoga, I would have walk to class every day. And it seems like a big effort. I realized all I had to do was go put my shorts on. It was no problem for me to walk in the other room, put my shorts on. And like you said, once I had my shorts on, I never didn't go. So take up something that seems big and scary and turn it into something small and quick. Well, of course. And I think that is the key to so many things in business and in life is taking what is complex and making it simple. Because if you just say, all you got to do is put on your shoes I can do that. That's way less intimidating than having yeah. to create this idea of what you think going to the gym has to be. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, Chris, not that we we're here to talk about that, but I believe <laughs> that was a great start. And what we're going to jam about is you've got some great experience in working with professional sports teams. And certainly from a customer experience and fan engagement standpoint, what we're going to jam about is looking forward. More specifically, when these arenas and stadiums open, because it is an inevitability. We don't know when that is going to be, but a big part of the customer experience, certainly in the world of sports, is in arena, in stadium. So let's talk about rethinking about what things are going to look like when stadiums reopen. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Very excited to talk about that. Something we've been thinking quite a bit a lot. And we have some clients, including the Chicago Bulls, the Chicago Blackhawks, the Cubs ownership. We uh, didn't sell tickets to the Cubs games, but we drove a lot of people to Gallagher Way, which is the entertainment district they built around Wrigley Field. But for the Bulls and Blackhawks, we're selling tickets. And when COVID hit, you know, this was a really nice problem in, in the grand scheme of problems. But of course, the arena shut down. We couldn't sell tickets. So we've been in conversations with our clients the teams I mentioned as well, some other teams we're hoping to start relationships with about what they're seeing and what they're doing. So really excited about the chance to talk about this. You know, there's three eras. One is the current era we're in, which we don't need to get into, but it's like playing during the pandemic. And we see how the NBA's handled that. Just just finished the finals when we're talking now, a couple nights ago. A um, lot that they did that went well. We see what some college football teams, the NBA, the NHL, uh, the WNBA, all these different leagues are playing through the pandemic best they can. Some, um, some of it going very well, some of it very challenging. Uh, we're looking forward to, um, we're calling it the first half of 2021, when we see arenas reopening and teams are going to be playing at the, during what we're calling the end of the pandemic. We hope that the pandemic is going to be ending in the first half of 2021 with vaccines and therapeutics and things like that. Um, if you don't buy that, that's a different podcast. But, but for the first half of 2021, we think that, uh, like the NBA in particular, given that they're indoor arenas, they're going to be racing to get a new season started and a weird timeline. Um, they're trying to hold off as long as they can so that we can make progress on therapeutics and vaccines and they can get as many games as possible in with fans in the arena. So what are those early games going to look like? It's probably quite different than hopefully what the second half of calendar year 2021 will look like. And even in the second half of calendar year 2021, like this third phase, uh, when hopefully the, the virus is no longer a concern, there's going to be a lot of things that are different and remain and changes that stick. So this, this first reopening you know, there's going to be a lot of focus on contactless experiences, getting into the arena, potentially ordering food to your seat, like this, uh, the sponsor of this podcast here, you know, ordering food at your seat on your phone, and then someone brings you the food is you know, much less likely to have contact with people you're not playing to than if you have to go stand in line for concessions. The same thing with merchandising, the same thing with getting into the door with a digital ticket on your phone that doesn't get uh, swiped. So this first era uh, the end of the pandemic, first half of calendar year 2021, it's going to be all about making fans feel comfortable and safe in the arena so that they want to go again. 
Yeah, and, and I love it. And I think with this, messaging is going to be extremely important. I think this is going to be before you get to the game, um, during the game, and after the game, because what we're dealing with are levels of comfort, but at the same time, we're dealing with different types of fans. So if you think about it, we've got diehard fans who they'll go to any Blackhawks or Bulls game no matter what because that's what they live and die. You've got the casual fans who like sports and want a good experience. And then you've got someone who may be coming in from out of town who may go once or twice there, but it's not a big thing for them. So right now, I think on the lower end, the people who can uh, give or take going to an event, they're probably not going to be the ones in this first phase who are going to be going because they're a little bit more concerned about things, but we've got the, Oh, the majority who are, let's just call them fans. We like to go to games. We enjoy the experience. We root for the teams. We might not be diehard, but you know what? We feel a sense of pride in going. And then you've got the diehard fans. So can you talk about the importance of the messaging to each of them? Because it's not a one-size-fits-all. Yeah, it's not a one-size-fits-all. This gets well into the work that we do a lot for teams. Um, you mentioned those three different fan segments that could be a good example of how different teams would look at their groups that they're going to message to. And then like, you're also getting at, I think you need to overlay each of those three groups, comfort and approach or feeling about COVID and the safety of being out generally on top of those three groups. So in any of those three groups, just my personal experience has been, um, I'm sometimes surprised by certain people in my life who, uh, change their stance on COVID. At first, they like maybe thought it wasn't a big deal. Then some scare happens, and they're really worried. So I think just like each person's personal take on that on, on the pandemic is going to impact um, no matter where you are in those three groups. But for example, I could certainly see some of our clients um, going to season ticket holders, or maybe the NBA might be doing some of this right now as they're considering when to schedule and how to reopen. They're probably going to do a lot of just um, surveying. When are you comfortable coming back? Would you be comfortable coming back to an arena without a vaccine that's half full? Would you be coming back to an arena like only if everybody has a vaccine? And so I'm sure that they're doing a lot of work right now to pull some of that information out of season ticket holders, for example. Um, then, uh, and I agree with you, I think that like for, for the, the casual fan, who as much as looking for like a night out and something to do, oh, I'm going to go to the United Center here in Chicago because it's a fun thing to do. And I like, I like the NBA and they're playing, the Bulls are playing the Raptors. Sure, let's go. They're not like super into the Bulls, huge Bulls fan, and they're not like crazy NBA. It's just a thing to do. I think some of those people will probably be some of the last to come back because they are, um, again, looking for a thing to do at night. And, and we've all been locked in so much, maybe a restaurant's going to scratch that itch, or maybe they can go somewhere that doesn't have 18,000 people. Um, they might be slower to come back. So I think some of our messaging that we're working with and our strategies with the different teams that we work with will answer that. And we like probably won't run ads to that group as much. The people who want to come back, we think early on, uh, A, that subset of people who are comfortable generally that are, are not the ones that are being most strict or careful within the protocols or guidelines. So this, this group that's more comfortable generally, and then people who are super huge fans of the WNB or the WNBA or a particular team, particular league or a game. So it's those really, really avid fans that are most comfortable with COVID that are come back. And then I think like there's going to be an element at the beginning of 
prove that you got the vaccine or prove that, you know, one way or another that, that you're safe for everybody else to be around. You know, we've got, gotten used to getting our temperature checked when we walk into places. So I think the NBA has been extremely innovative and on the cutting edge, whether it's the saliva test that they helped develop or even things when you walk into the arena that um, assure that, that you're safe to be there. I think one thing that stands out to me is you talked about the touchless, cashless, and certainly fan food is a great option to elevate the customer experience for that. But having just the game on in an almost entirely digital experience in arena, I do believe there's going to need to be more to elevate the customer experience because there are going to be some elements that were taken away from the experience. So for example, Benny the bull brings out a t-shirt cannon. Well, where does that fall in the, um, reopening phases of where we are now. It's something that a crowd goes nuts because people love free stuff. So boom, if all of a sudden giving away free stuff via the cannon's gone, well, what are we, what are we replacing it with? And certainly if things are more digital, then does that mean there is more emphasis on the jumbotron? So certainly we love the coffee bagel donut race that may happen or insert whatever it is. But I believe there's going to need to be more done to make sure that the customer experience is better because there are going to be a good amount of things that are taken away. There is going to be a natural skepticism. So for a large majority of the audience, it's not going to be the same as a year or two ago going to a Bulls game where you have that feeling, you're excited, you're grabbing a beer, you're getting something to eat, you're finding your seat, um, you're watching the game, and it's an overall good thing. Like, we never got into the arena being like, oh, my God, who's around me, who's touching me? Like, there's just a different awareness level. So it's something where if you know the mindset is that coming in, the stadiums or arenas and the teams are going to need to do something to make that even better for me. And I don't know if that means when you get into the arena, they take a picture of you with Benny the Bull or the Blackhawks Ice Girls or a cutout of Michael Jordan or something like that. But I believe something needs to be done as a positive replacement to make this a better experience because otherwise I'm just going to watch at home if it's only about the game. Uh, yeah, I would agree. I would argue that that's one of the areas in which the different teams and arenas have done a lot of really great innovation. Like it is a full entertainment experience to be at an NBA or an NHL game these days. Just the you mentioned the jumbotron. The United Center replaced their jumbotron before last season's, and so they've got this huge. Like, you know, everyone that gets installed at any big arena is like the largest one in the world for about six minutes before a new one goes up somewhere. So they they did just make a large investment in the Jumbotron. I, I have like a lot of confidence in the, in the people who work those areas of the events that they're like extremely creative. But like the one example you gave of the Dunkin' Donuts race at the United Center where it's coffee, bagel, um, iced coffee, coffee, bagel these days and donut, of course, going in a race. Um, so the Bulls turned that into a digital experience, like this, like when COVID happened and they stopped doing it, they, there's like a digital game you could play now and they're pushing people to. So there may be more digital interactions with those sorts of things. You, you make a good point about going to have a beer. They've also changed a lot of the arenas to make there be more um, spaces to congregate. There's like bigger bars and things, I feel like, in, in, in um in arenas than there used to be. So I think for some period of time, they're going to 
want people to get their food delivered at their seat and not be standing around in the bar, you know, for 25 minutes at halftime because it's fun to be out and about among all the people. Uh, uh, and so those sorts of things, I think, and I think you're right that the, like the in arena entertainment experience have probably had a lot of time right now and in the past six months to think through how that's going to happen. Maybe there's things that happened in the NBA bubble that help with that. Uh, even though there weren't fans there, there was just a lot of innovation around what's happening in the building or on the court where the teams are playing. So I don't have a lot of doubt that the creative people who work on that are going to come up with some great, some great substitutes. And I think that then some of those substitutes, improvements, add-ons, like you mentioned, are going to bleed over into this even better period, call it a year from now, where people are not afraid of COVID anymore because everyone's vaccinated. And so what are those things that will stick and be and, and change the experience long-term um, beyond just this window where um, we're going to try to go back to arenas, but people are still worried because COVID's still, still out there. So if things are going to be more digital, I see two things that are extremely important. And this has been uh, the first one's an issue that's been forever. Wi-Fi connectivity. If we're doing a more digital experience and if we've ever been to the United Center or some of these places and there's 20,000 people all on Wi-Fi trying to get it and it doesn't work. Well, guess what? All yeah. of a sudden, that's a huge negative. And I know from my own standpoint, that's almost a reason for me to not go to the game because yeah. I'm tweeting NBA games or NHL games as things happen or doing live betting and things like that. And if the connectivity is not on point, because why would I ever go somewhere that makes my digital life worse? But that's what we experience in large gatherings. And if everything becomes more digital, well, that becomes a huge problem. And then number two becomes the execution from stadium team or partners. So if Dunkin' Donuts creates a mobile app around this donut race or something, that thing better work. And I know maybe Dunkin' Donuts, it'll work fine because they're used to this. But rinse and repeat this across every single sponsor because I know so often um, excuses can be made for why something doesn't happen. And all of a sudden, the users don't use it, don't use it and they get a bad response and the campaign didn't work, well, guess what? There are real business repercussions when this giant sponsorship around digital that you have doesn't work. And I want to make sure that everyone emphasizes the execution side of it because it's not just good enough to create it. You need to execute upon it. And the Wi-Fi one is an excellent point. And uh, I've had that experience of like the Wi-Fi is just super slow because there's so many people pulling on it at once or even – the cellular network's not good enough. And there's moments during the game where everybody's getting on their phone. And, you know, of course there's moments in the game where no one is because everyone's watching the play on the court, on the field or whatever. But I've had that experience certainly where I'm trying to, back in the day when I used to take Ubers, call trying to get an Uber at the end of the game. But it's just like, every, it's not just that the Ubers are hard to get because the car, because of the logistics of the car. It's like, you can't get the connection to get to Uber. So yeah, those, that, that digital connectivity is an excellent point. And I think that some of these things, again, are going to be shorter term because long-term, the real value of bringing people, like digital extensions are great all the time, in my opinion, but the real value is people being there for the live experience. And when we get through this, like, trying to play through the end of the pandemic and the pandemic is over. Um, I see that there's going to be, again, these things that are going to stick and be left over as far as digital extensions, but there's also going to be, you mentioned 
gambling, um, you know, we are taught, we're both, I think, in the state of Illinois right now, where gambling is legal here in state. And so I think, and there's already been announcements on this with some arenas, but the big, the big win is going to be having the, uh, the wagering happen at the arena in a sports book in the arena, which of course, again, it's already happening in places. And um, I saw some people, uh, the the DraftKings people saying that they're going to have sponsors to just basically push lines in your favor if you're in arena, meaning there's going to be a company that's going to put up money and where that money's going to go to is like cover the difference between what the line should be and what the line is. So you're they're bringing you to the arena to get a special line. So again, that's not a digital thing, though all of the digital pieces we're talking about of watching different games, because you're betting on not just the game you're at, but all the other games, like all that stuff needs to be upgraded from the digital infrastructure point of view um, to marry the stuff that's happening in real time that's unique because you're at the arena that you can't get anywhere else. Because ultimately that's why people are gonna go, because it's something you can't get anywhere else. Um, and so the digital extensions are really important short-term and long-term, but I think they're going to have to be balanced with, with the in-person experience too. And remember this, everything that you see with sports betting, and that was a great example that you gave right there. But when you see every single sports betting marketing campaign, remember this, it is all about one thing, user acquisition, all they are trying to do is sweeten the pot to acquire new users to then get them into the funnel to create a long-term value for them. So if they create, hey, bet the Chicago Bulls at plus 23 today for Michael Jordan, the reason they're doing that is just to acquire users. But I think it's also important to think about every other company that is in there. Their mindset should also be to acquire digital users, which brings me to the last part of this cycle, the post-game messaging or communication. So we go ahead and do the Dunkin' Donuts race or we sign up with DraftKings or whatever in arena. But I believe if we're going to have a significantly digital experience, then what does the post-arena experience look like? Is there a campaign already created from these brands that say, listen, we know when someone comes into our funnel, because that's essentially what it is, is a marketing funnel, we know when they come in here, we are going to do X, Y, and Z to cultivate the relationship, to communicate with them regularly, because I believe that's an area that is actually a huge weakness that when the Bulls score 100 and you win a free taco and you bring your ticket in and you go there, it's cool on uh, you get a free taco, but they should have the, they should own more of that relationship. And for me, that would be one of the biggest things that these brands or any brand or company can do is own the post-game relationship so that I can continue to live in your world and it's not just a one-time thing. Yeah, absolutely. You got to nail the follow-up if you're going to spend that much money to acquire the customer in the first place. And I would say the sports teams are looking to do the same of just like own the relationship for a greater percentage of your week before and after the game and all the different things that might be watching YouTube highlights and counting fan engagement and counting your engagement is getting pretty complex. A big story about the NBA uh, ratings and like, how are we counting that? How are we counting people watching online versus not? But you're absolutely right. That's all about customer acquisition. The teams see it, see it the same way. And, and if you're going to spend money to acquire the customer, but not 
follow up properly so you can actually increase the lifetime value and like maintain that good relationship. It's not a good thing. It's like getting off on a good foot with a person that you like and meet and you're like going to be, maybe we'll be friends. And then, you know, neither side follows up. So you got to nail the follow up if you're going to spend the money on the front end to start to, to get the customer. Quick side note on the rating side of things. They're almost irrelevant to me because it's a generic number. And as we've talked about going into that number, die hard, regular fan, casual fan. So what audience are you most trying to appeal to? The one who's just going to be wishy-washy, maybe I'll look at it. Are they ever really going to be a customer anyways? Or are we really saying that by someone who is a lukewarm fan watching the game, they see one commercial, so that equals an ad impression for our advertisers. So we know that 12 cents goes to Coca-Cola and we make money from this. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Because for me, I'm a bigger believer in speaking to the niches and building a community. And you know, as both of us being basketball fans, this was a slice of heaven. And quite frankly, I don't care if the not the casual fan didn't watch it because man, that NBA finals and specifically that game five, that was one of the best games I've ever seen. I agree. And the hard, hardcore NBA fans that I've talked to say the same thing. Uh, that it doesn't matter to me how many people are watching it. And it was such a amazing break amidst all of this to see that and the skill and the quality of the gameplay in the bubble was, was really amazing. Um, you know, ratings going way, way back. Like I remember being a kid and being shocked that like the Nielsen ratings were literally just people writing down what they watched on TV and like, that's how it was done. So I don't think they've ever been counted. Well, I do think something I haven't heard too many people discuss that I think is affecting is just the way people consume the NBA is different. And when like the NBA fan of 30 years ago, some big percentage of their time thinking about the NBA was when they were watching the games. I think now there's a lot of people who are listening to podcasts, reading articles, playing fantasy, maybe doing daily fantasy betting where they're barely even watching the games or they watch like the nine minute YouTube highlight the next morning just because the NBA has really opened itself up to being consumed in this way. But um, I have a feeling, and I don't know this for a fact, it's speculation, but I have a feeling NBA is like going to be a little bit concerned until they actually see everybody come back to the arenas, you know, because just too much has changed and it's been a long time. And like, and, and the thing that does matter for ratings, of course, is the TV contracts, which feed, you know, the salaries and everything else. So like the whole economic structure of the sport is based on people watching it on TV. So it matters for that reason, even if it doesn't affect my enjoyment that much. Um, so yeah, I, th I think that there's a lot to be considered, you know, one thing I think that fits in this like digital extension. And then if you're not going to have the fan in arena, how do you own that digital relationship? And this could be a, a jumping off point to some other discussion, but I don't know if you've seen rally house. I grew up an ND Notre Dame football fan and they've got this like second screen experience where you can pay per game or pay for the season. And in exchange, you basically get your screen is going to have this like super Notre Dame football experience where there's like former players are sitting in a room. You're video chatting with friends across the country. Maybe your former friends or roommates. If you're an alum and you live anywhere else, I think these things are really cool, but that's a, that's a, a an organization um, admitting to the many people they aren't going to be able to get into the stadium each week and say, well, how do we charge the people who aren't there and give them a better experience as our fans? 
You nailed it right there. And to me, I hear you on the TV side. The digital side is what I care about more because think about how many of us are grumbling over DirecTV, Comcast, all the sort of TV providers, whereas everything's going digital. And you actually described me as a basketball fan. I love all things sports. I love playing basketball. I've played my entire life. I'm a longtime Bulls fan. But here's the problem. The Chicago Bulls have not been good since Derrick Rose got injured. And it wasn't very much in my interest to watch a team that wasn't making the playoffs for the last few years. But guess what? Even if I wasn't watching Bulls games, I'm listening to Zach Lowe's podcast and Bill Simmons and Jalen and Jacoby. I'm playing fantasy basketball. I'm doing sports betting. Uh, TNT, I love Chuck and Ernie and Kenny and Shaq. So I am almost the perfect example of the new modern fan. And we've talked about this so much on this podcast where – I know as much or more about basketball than 99.9% of people. But if you were to look at my consumption of watching basketball, it is probably in the lower spectrum because there's so many other things vying for my attention. But I love the culture of basketball so much that I'm willing to deep dive in the digital world, even if I may not be doing it on a live experience on TV. Yeah, I mean, I think that's absolutely right. I think that's a lot of what's been going on as well. Um, so yeah, it's exciting times. Like it's been a, a, a bad time for, for so many people in lots of ways, but a really hard time for sports franchises, all the people who work in the arenas, who work at the organizations that you never see, um, unfortunately are probably catching the brunt of some of this, but I think that the innovation and the fearlessness around change, a lot of successful organizations can get kind of stuck in what they do because it's worked in the past and that all got thrown out of the window with that. So, or uh, with this, so we're looking forward to, you know, of course, in this, like once people, the fear of the pandemic ends and it's really just an entertainment dollar decision of like, do I spend my dollar to go to this arena or am I going to spend it to go out to dinner and do something else with a different group of people? Um, that's where, where my agency, it will continue to come in because uh, we drive revenue for teams. You know, we're selling tickets and getting leads for season ticket and corporate, you know, group ticket sales. So, um, you know, we imagine that we're going to see more people wanting to do that. There's a lot of teams that haven't been doing it because I don't know why, but, um, but it just seems like now, you know, no one really has much of a choice other than, you know, with the, they're all going to have unfortunately big holes in their budgets and big holes in 2020 that's going to be dragging on them for years. And so um, when things do get better, uh, imagine they're going to be doing, they, the teams will be doing everything they can to get all the revenue they can out of all of us as fans. Chris, really enjoyed jamming with you. And I got to give you a shout out for that shirt because it is a branding tip. The more personalization that you can give something, the better. And certainly for someone like you, that is straight out of my playbook. When I'm on someone else's podcast and I know something about them, I am going to give an Easter egg as a little hat tip to the host. Where can everybody connect with you? Uh, go to matchnet.com to, to, if you want to reach out to us, particularly for, you know, agency business, like I was describing, or personally, you can find me on Twitter at MaddenCM, M-A-D-D-E-N-C-M. Uh, so those are the two best ways. And as always, I would love to hear from you about this episode. And here's what I'm curious about. 
how quickly will you be going back to stadiums or arenas to watch live sports? I really want to know sort of where your temperature is. Are you dying to get back there or are you going to be a little bit cautious? You can hit up FanFood on Twitter at FanFood on Demand, on Instagram at FanFood app or on LinkedIn. And as always, you can hit me up on all social media platforms at Rob Cressy. 